On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about gender roles. Yeah, we want to talk about something that's really in the news a lot, you know, uh, men and women and their distinctive roles. Uh, in our society, that's trying to be sort of washed out. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, what, what should men do? What should women do? Maybe they should do exactly the same thing. The Bible speaks to that. And, of course, somewhat uh, we'll find it is not politically correct in the modern environment, but God's word is pretty clear on this matter. All right. We're going to talk about that. It's going to be a very important discussion. Don't go anywhere. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 21st, 2019. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is there. Hello, Dad. Jacob, thanks. Good to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. Kyle is here tonight. Kyle, good to be with you. It's good to be here. Yeah, I look forward to hearing from you tonight, Kyle. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you on the other end of the line tonight. We appreciate you joining us on the program. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. And the chat room uh, to the bottom of your video feed, if you're watching us live, is open. We encourage you to comment anytime you may be listening to this. Most of our listeners are not listening at this moment, but will listen in the recorded version. And if you have questions about anything you ever hear on the Virtual Bible Study, would like to discuss it with us further, we welcome your comments. Questions at collegeview.com. We also welcome your suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study, uh, which uh, one of our listeners has suggested this topic tonight, and we're we're thankful for that. And so if you have a suggestion. For and even topic, today, in response to this announced uh, topic, I got a question from a listener uh, in Iowa who uh, ha- had a related question, but it wasn't exactly on point. I said, we're going to save that. We'll try to talk about that in another program. So what we do when we get questions in, sometimes we'll make a whole program about them. Other times we'll save up several questions and put them all in, in what we call a listener question smorgasbord kind of program. We like these programs because yeah. we know if if this is what a listener wants to listen to, at least one person will benefit from the program. Hopefully yeah. more than one, but at least one person would. Uh, it would be something of interest to our listeners. Exactly right. All right. So earlier today to our update list, and remember we always tell you if you're not getting our updates, get on our list by sending an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say put me on the list and we'll do that. On Thursdays just before noon, we try to send out an update as to what we'll be talking about. And today we sent out this these questions. Were you like working on commission on the by the, you getting paid by the question today because you were really a lot of words here. I, well, I just I think you you were very word ambitious. Count. Did you do a word count on me? No, here? but I if we can get through this, we'll be doing something. All right. So number one, I, I got some sub questions. We'll talk about them when we get to them. But the main questions: number one, list the ways in which men and women men and women are equal in God's sight. Number two, explain the history of God's assignment of different roles for men and women. Number three, what are some of the distinctions between men and women that we see under the law of Moses? Number four, in the New Testament, uh, we want to discuss 
certain limitations put on women in the New Testament. And number five, if women are limited in their role relative to men, then we got some challenging questions to deal with, and we'll talk about what those may be as we get later on. All right. It's going to be a good discussion. I think it's really important whenever we're talking about men and women, and especially, I think, on behalf of the women, I think it's important for us to stress the truths of this first point, list the ways in which men and women are equal in God's sight. Because I I really believe that when we talk about the fact, as we will in our lesson, that that women uh, are to be subject to men, uh, that, that in the order of things, men are over women in God's plan, then I think it's a somewhat natural reaction of women to think, well, God thinks less of me. I'm, somehow or another, I'm considered second class or inferior, not as important. Uh, and really, the Bible, I think, does a, a, a very thorough job of dispelling that Absolutely. Mis- misconception. Yes, it, 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 is a, it is a misconception to think that it, m- women are less important than men, men are less important than women. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So in our relationship to Christ, our relationship with each other, we're all one, we're all equals uh, there according to Galatians chapter 3, verses, verse 28. Yeah, uh, and First uh, uh, Peter 3, verse 7 says that we are joint heirs of life. Uh, there, there's no difference in regards to the uh, the, the, the value that God places on men and women, uh, all are valuable, equally valuable, not, not one more important than the other. You know, and it goes all the way back to the fact that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, men and women are created in God's image. We don't, when we talk about Genesis one twenty eight, when it says that men and women are created in God's image, we're not talking about the fact, you know, they got five fingers on each hand and a, uh, two eyes, two ears, a nose and a mouth. That's not the image that we're talking about. We're talking about in regards to an immortal soul, a, a being that will continue to exist through eternity. We are a spirit being. Uh, we have a spirit that that is in us that is not in other things in God's creation. We uniquely, as men and women, are created in God's image in that sense that we have an eternal soul. Uh, and all of that points to the idea of equality in God's sight, of uh, equal value and worth. Um, so, Jacob, you've got a boy and two girls. Is your boy worth more to you than your girls are worth to you Not at all. as a father you count all your children as equals uh, and 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 if a fallible human father can do that then certainly our perfect heavenly father knows full well how to value his children and he and he tells us plainly that he he values them equally absolutely so i think that's really important to stress now i had a follow-up question okay so that's how god values or uh the fact that men and women are equal but what is the order that god has placed among these equals what is the value that god has i mean not not the value but the order rather that god has ordained and there's some places in scripture that address that i want to look at first corinthians 11 uh it says uh in first corinthians 11 verse 3 
I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And so there Paul sets the order, God, Jesus, man, woman. Uh, that's that's just pretty straightforward. And there are other places that would line that out, I think, too, in the Scriptures. But I believe that's a good place to look for the order that God has ordained. Now, if you stop to think about that, really any any relationship, any any organized activity requires an order of well, an order of command, order of rank. Uh, it, it just it is working, working an organization, yes, a working work. relationship. When you go to the work on the job. Somebody has to be in charge. Someone has to be the final decision maker. Uh, your boss may take input as, as important decisions are being made. But at some point, he finally says, okay, here's what we'll do. And he makes the final call. You, you can't have, it'd be chaos if everybody just did their own thing or everybody was equal. Nobody had to answer to anybody else. There was no order to the matter, no organization. It's the same in government. Uh, it's, and it's the same in the family. And so when God ordained that men be over women, it was for the sake of organizational effectiveness. It is necessary that someone have the final and ultimate authority in a matter. Now, again, that doesn't do make any statement to the equality of man or woman in God's eyes and the value of man or woman in God's eyes. It's just a relationship that God has set up. Just like you mentioned the workplace, those those uh, those relationships are set up in the workplace. Now, no one says, oh, you're not the boss. You're not human. You're not as valuable as the boss. Uh, you're not uh, we don't care about you as much as the boss. It's just the set the setup and the arrangement that has been made uh to facilitate the task that needs to be taken care of. You know, in in past history, when there were situations in which some represented themselves as better than others, for instance, when there was slavery in our country and slaves were considered less than uh, a whole person. I mean, uh, that that even, even was represented in the way they took census counting and so forth. Uh, that that slaves were less than a whole person, less than va- less valuable than others, not not equal. Well, we deplore that. We, we say that was absolutely and completely out of bounds, and and we're grateful that that sort of thing has been done away with in a, in our country. Not, maybe not so necessary in every place in the world, but whenever there was a an arrangement that suggested that people were less than a whole person or less valuable or less equal than others, which that's not right. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we are blessed to live in a place where that has come to be understood and all that kind of erroneous thinking has been abolished. Uh, the Bible would have told us that all along. Now, here's another follow-up to that question. Since men, in the order that God has arranged, uh, and men are over women. God, Christ, man, woman. That's what we just read in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Does this necessarily imply that men are better, smarter, more talented, uh, and so forth than women? No, not at all. 
I, I think a lot of us would say, I, yeah, uh, there's a lot of families in which the wives are probably a lot smarter than their husbands, certainly more talented than their husbands. Uh, but on your job, is your boss necessarily smarter than you are? No, yeah. not, a lot yeah. of people work for bosses who who would themselves admit that they've got employees that are smarter than they are. Yeah, you know, you, when you go to hire onto a company, they don't make you take an IQ test and say, okay, now we're going to take the now IQ. Now, the boss's IQ yeah. is 105. Yeah. We're, we're, and if yours is higher than that, you can't you, work here. Or you get to be the boss. We'll put him down <laughs> in the bottom. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just, it's, it doesn't say anything about your intelligence, your skills, your value. It's just the arrangement. Let's back that up. Let's put it back in the family. What about... The parent-child relationship. Has anyone ever had kids that were smarter than them? Sure. Do they get if if you ha, if you have a kid and here he comes, he comes out and boy, this guy is he's a genius. He's a child prodigy. Yeah. Well, he's smarter than his mom and dad to combined. So we're going to let him. He'll lead the family, and we'll get behind him. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. There are there are arrangements, there are relationships that are set forth. Those relationships are set forth by God, and we follow those relationships. It doesn't mean one person's smarter than I, another. I think this is really maybe plays out in in government. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people smarter, apparently a lot smarter than some of the people who are running our nation in Washington, D.C. I mean, when you when you uh, consider some of the crazy things that go on up in Washington, D.C., I think there's a whole lot of people in this world that are smarter than they are. But they're still the appointed government official. And, and the Bible tells us to be subject to the governmental authorities. And so... We're subject to them. That doesn't mean that they're certainly not they're not more valuable as persons than we are. And they are not necessarily and probably even obviously not smarter than a lot of people that are under them, that they that they have the authority over. So order of the order of things, again, is necessary, does not suggest, though, that the the ones who are over others are necessarily smarter or better or more talented and it doesn't and it certainly doesn't mean that they are of greater value or importance than others in god's estimation Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. questions at collegeview.com can't respond to your questions this way he says there are ways in which men and women are equal in god's sight number one they're equals they're equals in their essence having been created by god genesis 1 26 and 27 you mentioned that Number two, they're equal in God's sight insofar as being in need of redemption from sin when they attain personal accountability, Romans 3.23. And number three, they're equal in God's sight as receiving forgiveness of sin by the gospel, Galatians 3.28 and 29. Right. Now, he says, you were asked about order, and uh, he says, in consideration of 1 Timothy 2, verses 13 and 14, God has always made a distinction in the function of men and women. Such does not imply that men are better, more intelligent, or more talented than women. Such does not imply that in the sight of God, men are more important than women. Such implies that while we are the same in essence as human beings, we are different in creation as to our nature as function. Now, it's interesting. There's a lot of focus on someone might say, well, the man is in a better position than the woman. What if we turn that around? Who's to say that the woman's not in a better position than the man? There's just an assumption that the man's role is better somehow. 
And, but in God's eyes, they're both equal and both have equal value and a very important value and function that they must both, both uh, undertake. Yeah. Uh, for instance, the president of the United States is, is in a different role than I am. Uh, I wouldn't want his role. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of downside to what he has to do as president of the United States. Um, and so I. So do I get mad because the president is in a higher rank than me? The president is over me. Or I say, I'm glad he's got that job, and I'm glad for the job I've got. Uh, it's just a matter of how we interpret the thing. All right. We need to get a break. Time's going fast tonight. Uh, we're going to get back. Uh, what's up next? Well, when we get back, we want to talk about uh, what are the historical basis, biblically historical basis for this order of rank, the, the order that God has so ordered. So we've sort of in. assumed uh, the fact that needs to be proven here. Has God set up different roles and different uh, functions? For he has, and he tells us why. All right. We're going to go to that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Wow. It isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Eternity will be a long time to think about what you should have done. Trust God's authority, not man's majority. If you don't plan for the future, you probably won't like what you get. Life is short. Pray hard and read the book. Too much time is wasted by people telling how busy they are. Every man has an equal chance to become better than he presently is. Be careful of your thoughts. They may break into words at any time. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about gender roles. And Dwight's in the chat room. He says, God sent his son to die for all men and women. His blood was shed for all, not more for men than women. I think that's a good point Dwight makes right there. You know, if men are more important and more valuable, then you should have to pay more for them. There's no same price. Same price was paid for us all. The precious blood of Jesus redeems each one. Equally in the sight of God. So we are equals in God's sight, but we have different roles, and uh, there's some reasoning behind okay, that. Okay, so the, the uh, our question now is, what's the history of God's assignment of these different roles for men and women? Uh, what do we know about, for instance, order of creation and the first sin? Well, Paul really puts this together, and we, we can go to some Old Testament to sort of flesh out what he says uh, sort of in skeleton form here. He says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 12, beginning, 1 Timothy 2, verse 12, I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence for, so now notice that that word suggests, he's going to explain why that is. So he says, a woman is not to teach or usurp authority over a man, but to be in silence for, because, the word for there means because, because Adam was first formed, then Eve, reason one, 
And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Second reason. So he says there's two things there that serve as the basis upon for which men are to be over women. Uh, uh, remind me to come back to verse 15 in a minute, Jacob. But, okay. uh, so a lot, of, a lot of times when this question is being discussed, people point to the first sin and Eve, you know, being deceived by the serpent. And then she got Adam to partake of the forbidden fruit all fruit also but actually what paul's saying this this order actually has has a foundational element that precedes the first sin and it's about creation and the order of creation man was created in genesis 2 verse 18 and woman was created from man genesis 2 21 through 23 so uh you know that serves as the base one of the bases man was first in creation woman was created from man in fact our word woman and I think also the word female literally mean from man. Uh, and so uh, that's why we talk about mankind. When we talk about mankind, we're talking about all humans. We don't talk about womankind. We talk about mankind uh, because that acknowledges that man was the first in God's creation, I think. Uh, now, also, in regards to creation, we know that woman was created to be a helper suitable for man. Well, even that was there in Genesis 2. Even that would suggest uh, the role assignment that God had from the very beginning. So order of creation is one thing. And, and, and when Eve was the first to sin, that didn't change things, but it sort of reaffirmed or reestablished that uh, even before the fall, woman was the child bearer. Uh, after the fall, she had certain consequences, pain in childbearing. Before the man, before the fall, rather, man was a worker. He, he was assigned to keep and tend the garden. Genesis 2 verse 15 says, after the fall, he was still a worker. His worker became harder. There were consequences of the fall. Uh, and, and and it sort of reaffirmed the establishment of these uh, roles for the man and woman. But actually, the role assignments predated even the fall. The fall just sort of reaffirmed that. Okay. All right. Um yeah, Kent says uh, in First Timothy two verse thirteen. First uh, Timothy two thirteen affirms that in the creation man was formed first, then Eve. Verse fourteen indicates that Eve was the initial one who was deceived in eating the forbidden fruit. First Timothy two verse fifteen was the verse you want to get back to. You want to take his answer now and then get to yours. Well, I was just going to comment that even though, and this sort of ties in with our first question, even though men and women have different roles in man's rank in order is above woman. I think it's important that Paul says notwithstanding. In other words, he goes back up here to verse 12. I suffer not to, I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Skip his explanation of that. In other words, a woman has limitations. So we'll talk about more. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. I don't think that's saying when it says she'll be saved in childbearing, I don't believe that means she's going to be spared pain in the childbirth process. I think the word, the word childbearing there is a word used to represent her role in God's plan 
her 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 whole the whole of her and I think it's metonymy I think it's one word intended to represent the whole of a thing mm-hmm. and so she can't there's certain things that she's limited to do in regards to men but that does not mean she can't be saved in God's plan if she fulfills her role in God's plan she can be saved just like a man can be saved and ultimately that's all that matters it doesn't matter what we do here on earth what what roles we fulfill what matters is do we get to spend eternity in heaven? And, and Paul affirms, yes, if a woman fulfills her role, she'll she'll qualify to be w- uh, in heaven just as much as any man will be. Yeah. So, yeah. So just because they're different, the woman should say, oh, well, I'm not I'm not equal. I'm not important. I can't be saved. No. God says if you if you assume the roles that I've given you, you'll be saved. And that's for both men and women. Assume the roles that I've given you. Fulfill the function that you've been given divinely, and God will be pleased. Exactly right. And again, I think, I think part of this is if we, if we have the eternal perspective in, in our outlook, because what matters is eternity. Then, uh, you know, here and now is temporal, and it's going to pass quickly. It'll soon be over. What ultimately matters is what about eternity? And Paul says women will enjoy eternity just as men will if they fulfill their role. All right. That's uh, uh, if you got comments in the chat room, we'd like to hear them tonight. If you haven't signed in, sign in there. So, yeah, uh, Kent's answer. He says, First Timothy 2, verse 15 implies a difference in roles between men and women by stating that women will be saved in childbearing. This does not mean that the act of giving birth to children is a component in obedience to the gospel of Christ. Paul stating that acceptance of God's role in being different from men is essential to following the plan of God. Yeah. And I really think, I think Kent's right, and I think the way to view that is he's just using the word childbearing to represent the whole of a woman's role. I mean, so what about a woman who can't bear children or never bears children? Can she not go to heaven? Never no, been yeah. married. Never been married. Of course she could go to heaven. That's just, that's just a figure of speech. That's just, that's just a, a terminology used there to represent God-assigned woman's roles. Okay. Kyle, thoughts from you so far behind the controls tonight? Yeah, you know, I think it, just a lot of it comes down to it's we're not pushing we're not putting a value on a female because of defined roles. I think it's just there are like I said roles in the workplace, there are roles in everyday life. How we fulfill those roles is not putting a value on you as a person. Roles in the virtual Bible study, Kyle. You're the you're behind the controls tonight. Yeah, Kyle's uh, he's subhuman. Yeah, yeah, he's just he's just a worker yeah, bee. Yeah, we're just going to walk all over Kyle. You know, no, we all have we all have different roles. Well, we couldn't play. be on if it wasn't for what Kyle was doing and for Kyle's us. Kyle's just as important and, as anybody. And uh, we, we we give a little shout out to Kyle's work on getting our uh, worship services and Bible studies live streamed uh, on our other YouTube channel, College View Live Stream. There's a link to that on our homepage, collegeview.com. But remember, two different two different. Uh, YouTube channels there you get the you get the virtual bible study on the one you're watching here tonight at the virtualbiblestudy.com you can find our other YouTube channel which is college view live stream you can find it and find the link to it on our homepage at collegeview.com all right uh let's get a break and get this week's bullet point a little bit early when we get back what are we going to talk about well when we get back let's talk about the fact that the, that you know this these distinctions between men and women are not new they they and we can see it in all ages of god's dealing with man all right 
877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room tonight. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this week's bullet point. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. His hair is long, his clothes wrinkled and dirty, his general appearance untidy. Though enrolled in college at great expense to his parents, he has neglected his studies and his grades are disgraceful. He has no job and few, if any, prospects for the future. Given every advantage as he was growing up, he has wasted each opportunity that came his way. His life is a wreck, and everyone can see it except him. And what does he have to say about all this? It really doesn't matter to me, he says. People worry about those things too much. Money doesn't really matter to me. I think people are too materialistic anyway. I'm not interested in living like my father. The ingratitude of this kid is sickening. Given a chance, we'd probably stand in line to get a crack at him. He's ungrateful to the core, and he surely doesn't appreciate what has been done for him. We want you to consider another son. His heavenly father loved him more than he will ever be able to comprehend. He blessed him with abundant gifts when he was totally undeserving. Spiritual riches were showered upon him, yet he disregarded all that. He has neglected his duty to God, chosen to live in such a way as to disgrace his father, tear down his brethren, and generally shame the name of Christian. Urgent pleas for him to change have gone unheeded. He tells us that he simply isn't interested, claims he doesn't care about such things any longer. Are you surprised that God warns of a, quote, sore punishment, unquote, for this one who has, quote, trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace? Hebrews 10, verse 29. Christian, live so that you are never described by the words unthankful and unholy. 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Michael, now four years old, and, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com at any time. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe just send us an email to let us know that you're out there and that you're listening. And if you'd like to have a bumper sticker to put on your car window, maybe, so you don't have to worry about it damaging the paint, it'll come right off that window. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'll get you one of those uh, free of charge so you can help get the word out there. So we have more people listening and hopefully more people commenting. Uh, so i got to get some more ordered, too. And I, I know several people have asked for the smaller oval-shaped uh, stickers we had, and we're out of those. And i got to get some more. I see Dwight's in the chat room out in Iowa, and, and uh, uh, Dwight said he'd like to have one of those put on his motorcycle. Oh, you can't use you a big one there. You can't use a big bumper sticker on a motorcycle. So i gotta get, I got to get some more of those. Well, I won't, have, won't be able to drive his motorcycle as fast, so he's got that on the back because people won't be able to see it. It'll just know. be a blur going by. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. yeah. So thanks uh, for that. And we want to hear from you if you'd like to have one of those bumper stickers questions at collegeview.com timothy's in the chat room tonight timothy says my wife is better in areas than i am specifically she can focus on several things at once where i struggle she helps me in me in many ways in organizing the people of the family she's an awesome cook she's consistent and effective in learning as a leader i have a responsibility not just for myself but my wife and my children i'm to be a servant like christ and to lead by example. I think he's referencing Ephesians chapter 5 there. In that relationship, this is not a relationship of, of subservience or of, uh, of abuse. This is a, a position of honor. And so the, the uh, husband as leader is to honor and elevate his wife. Uh, as and and serve his wife as Christ did the church. Yeah. Uh, and in, in Ephesians 5, 
Paul says, wives, this is verse 22, beginning Ephesians 5. I'm glad Timothy brought it to our attention. We should read this in this discussion for sure. Ephesians 5, 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. So here's the instruction of wives. Submit to your husbands. But notice the very next statement. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave gave himself for it. So wives are to submit, but husbands are to be sacrificial in their love for their wives. And so this this is not describing a harsh, mean, overlord kind of relationship. Uh, and I've actually heard it said, and I think it's a great observation, it should be easy for wives to submit to husbands who love them like they should be loved. And at the end of that longer text, uh, or well, well, keep reading a little bit of that, verse 28, men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And he says finally at the end, verse 33, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And so, you know, I, I think one of the duties of, of the husband is to love his wife in such a way that it makes it easy for her to accept her role of submission uh, in that relationship. Timothy goes on, he says, I'm to show love to my wife and be respectable regardless if she respects me. Okay. So, right. so. Those relationships and those instructions that God has given for the family are really uh, not dependent on the other. My other husband, so you can hear a wife say, oh, my husband is a bad person and he's a failed leader and he's just a miserable, miserable example of a man. Uh, I'm not going to submit to him anymore. Well, you can't do that in other relationships. For instance, in First Peter chapter 2, Verse 13, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or as, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You know, there's some, there, there are some governmental authorities that are bad people. I think there's a lot of corruptness in our government, corrupt government officials. That being the case, I'm not going to obey the laws anymore because I think there's bad people in charge. I'm not going to pay my taxes anymore. Well, right there, we're told to do it. And as Timothy says about wives submitting to husbands and honoring their husbands, it's the same thing with government. I mean, these roles are not dependent upon people being good people in every role. The same is true for the husband. The husband yeah. can't say, well, the there's wife. No, there's no perfect husband. But, well, well, the husband can't say, you know, the, the wife, she's not, she's not, she's not being the person she should be. I, I'm done loving her like I should. I'm, I'm not going to treat her as my, love her as myself anymore. No, then it all just breaks down. Yeah. And so we can't hinge our obedience to God's word in this regards to our relationship with the family. We can't hinge that on anyone else in the family. We assume our roles regardless of the other the other person. Real quickly, let's 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 catch this third question, which I think can be answered pretty quickly. What were some of the distinctions between men and women under the law of Moses? Well, uh, very simply, uh, we know for one thing that uh, um, 
the priests under the Old Testament law were obviously restricted to be males of the tribe of Levi, descendants of Aaron. So only the men could serve in the priestly class under the law of Moses. Uh, we know, too, that there were some differences in regard to... I had something written down here. Where is this? Uh, there were some differences in... Uh, for instance, uh, differences in purification and, and redeeming prices for men and women, uh, differences in and re- how they could be released from various vows which had been taken and so forth. There was just a distinction made between men and women. Uh, in, in our society today, sadly, it's almost as if if you point out any distinction between men and women in any way whatsoever, you, you, that's just not politically correct. But there are all kinds of distinctions. Do this for do this in the case of a woman. Do this in the case of a man. Even go back farther than the law of Moses, if you want to go back to the patriarchal system. God dealt with the fathers, the patriarchs, the men who were heads of family in the age before the Mosaic age. Uh, and so really all through all through time we see that God has maintained this distinction between men and women. And Kent has responded. He said there was a distinct difference in clothing that women were to wear from men, Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. Such obviously was to prevent a unisex society. We also know that there was a distinction insofar as function between men and women. Both 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 15 constitute New Testament revelation, however, deal with eternal principles that have always been applied regardless of covenant legislation. So he says there was a distinction in the Old Testament and uh, that the distinction continues under the New Testament dispensation. Uh, And we might just stress this because sometimes we get what I think is a faulty explanation that when we read passages like we read earlier in 1 Timothy 2 where Paul said, uh, women are not to, to teach nor usurp authority over men, but to be in subjection. You sometimes hear modernists say, well, that was just Paul's cultural, cultural bias. I mean, yeah. he, he was a chauvinist. Everybody was in his time. And so his his personal prejudices are brought into the New Testament. And we should be able to disregard that because we know it's not so. Well, how would we know it's not so? When we read our Bibles, we see it true in every dispensation that God has mandated this order between men and women. Gender roles, they've always been assigned. And actually, the advancement of society has depended upon that. And uh, so I think that's a faulty view. Absolutely. Okay. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. you got questions about what we've said in the chat room tonight. Send those in if you'd like us to deal with any other topics. You know, there are lots of different angles and lots of different uh, questions and scenarios about this. And so if you've got something in the chat room you'd like to share, share it with us tonight and we can discuss it on the program. All right. So moving on, uh, we said in the New Testament, discuss the limitations placed on women in, in a couple of regards. One is in regards to them holding positions of authority over men, uh, and secondly, giving instruction to men. Well, both of those things are mentioned in that text that we read from 1 Timothy 2, and I want to read it one more time. 1 Timothy 2, uh, <clears throat> verse 12, I suffer not a woman to teach, 
nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So uh, I, th- I think the the order that God has ordained is seen in that, and and the manifestations of it are necessary in two particular uh, activities. One is in exercising oversight over men, authority over men, and the other is actually even teaching over men. Now, if you think about that, when we talk about offices in the church in First Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, the qualifications are given for elders. Syn- synonymous terms for elders are bishop and pastors. So for the elders or bishops or pastors, the qualifications are clearly those of men. Uh, also deacons, the qualifications for deacons stated in First Timothy 3 are for men. And so for the those offices in the church that would denote leadership roles specifically for men. Uh, somebody said, well, why? Why can't a woman be uh, an elder or a bishop or a pastor? Well, because the qualifications say it must be a man. If we didn't know any other reasons, that would be reason enough. But secondly... It goes to this order, uh, the, the gender role assignment. It's all connected, in other words. Yeah, so it, it makes sense that he would say the leaders, the spiritual leaders of congregations should be men because women can't be over men anyway in God's eternal plan. Mm-hmm. That was never his intention for women to have such position. So the limitation on women then would, would first of all, be that they can't be over a man in, in a leadership role. But Paul also says uh, uh, that she's not to teach over a man. So if you think about a teaching situation, if you think of a classroom situation, for instance, the teacher has actually authority in that setting. The teacher is running the show, so to speak. And so the woman is not to teach over a man in that because in doing so, she'd actually be over the man uh, in authority. And and Paul is saying she can't do that. That's not allowed. It does not mean that uh, that that we can't that a woman cannot teach a man. We know that that can't be the case because uh, in uh, Colossians uh, chapter two, uh, that uh, uh, or chapter three that uh, we're to teach and admonish one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. For there's one way that a woman is to teach a man. She can teach, but she's not teaching over the man, but she's joining in the mutual teaching that takes place in that singing relationship. She can teach by example. Uh, And she can even teach with words under certain conditions. Uh, We often reference Acts 18, in Acts 18, it says a certain, verse 24, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And as he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, uh, when uh, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto him, excuse me, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of the Lord more perfectly. We'll follow the synonyms there. They took him unto them and 
they expounded unto him the way of the Lord more perfectly. So Aquila and Priscilla, a man and a wife, Priscilla, a woman, she assisted in instructing Apollos, who was a notable orator, who was a public teacher, but he was not totally informed in the ways of the Lord. And Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and they instructed him. Uh, She wasn't teaching over him, but she obviously assisted uh, her husband in teaching him the things that he needed to know. And every husband uh, listening tonight can say that their wives certainly have taught them uh, several things, uh, many things. uh, And and they didn't get out of their God-given role in doing that. Uh, it's, It's the manner in which it's done. So, uh, again, there's limitations, uh, God-ordained limitations in the New Testament uh, placed upon women. want to stress again from 1 Timothy 2, verse 15, that doesn't mean that the woman's role is insignificant or unimportant. She has a different job, and she can be saved by accomplishing her assigned duties, uh, she just can't do the same things that a man does, but that's that doesn't mean she's less important or any, uh, you know of less value. Okay, let's grab our last break, Jay. When we come back, we've got a couple of objections to deal with. But before we do, I just I've got a list here uh, of uh, some women in the New Testament who were held out as notable examples in the services that they provided. Timothy makes a good observation. He says, isn't there a balance in the family role when the man loves his wife in leadership and the, a woman respects her husband in submission? There's balance there. Yeah. Order, in Order. other words. Yeah. He says, anything wrong with these words in today's society? What does God say? Well, you know, those words aren't necessarily popular in today's society, but God's uh, word doesn't change. Uh, if you've got comments about Timothy's uh, comments there, send them in the chat room. If you've got questions or uh, uh, comments you'd like to make, make them now. We're going to get a break, and when we get back, we'll go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Americans are inviting people over less often. This is not to say, however, that Americans are seeing their friends and relatives less often, but it does appear that entertaining people in the home is a diminishing habit. 
In a recent survey, people were asked how often they had entertained people in their home. Forty years ago, about 40% said they had entertained at least monthly. More recently, less than 20% said they did. That information is via Made in America by Claude Fisher. The Word of God says in 1 Peter 4, beginning verse 8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we are back on the program. Going to the top of the hour, Kent, uh, to your question about uh, the role that God has given women today in the New Testament. He says, women are not to teach nor have dominion over a man, First Timothy 2, verse 12. The text does not say that women cannot teach a man. We have a New Testament example of a woman teaching a man in Acts 18, 24, and 25, as you mentioned. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 16, uh, involves women in the local church singing in the worship assembly. Singing is an act of admonishing or teaching. However, 1 Timothy 2, verse 12, forbids women to teach or usurp authority, have dominion or control over men. Women are not to teach over a man or to exercise authority over a man in any way. That would mean teaching in a mixed class of women and men or preaching in a worship assembly would be sinful. Such would make it sinful for women to exercise a leadership role in the local church in any way. And that's why, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 14, I think Kent's exactly right, uh, but in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, let your women keep silence in the churches. It's not permitted them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Uh, that, that, by the way, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, is one of those very interesting not but passages. Not this. In other words, they're not permitted to speak, but to be under authority obedience the under obedience modifies the not to speak they're not to speak in any way that would make them not be under the authority of the men they can obviously speak they can sing for instance uh, a mother could lean over and whisper to her misbehaving child uh, so the the silence there is she's not she's not permitted to speak she's to be in silence in the matter of subjection or submission and that all goes fits with what we've been studying. It all about. fits together. We're seeing the we're seeing this this thread, this theme that's running through here. This this relationship, uh, Kyle, is something. Well, from the creation of time, we see this 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 theme and how God has expected men and women to relate. Real quickly, because we're going to run out of time on a couple of objections we want to raise, but I just got, I want to give you quickly a list that I got here of, of some women in the New Testament to, who are commended for their roles. Obviously, the women who ministered to Jesus, even preparing his body, uh, or come, actually they came to the tomb on the, on the, the morning of the third day uh, to uh, anoint his body with additional spices. And they were the, it was women that were the first to see the resurrected Lord and to, to receive the report of the resurrection. Uh, in, in Acts 9, uh, Dorcas uh, was a notable servant of others in preparing clothes and coats for them, Acts 9, 36 beginning. In Acts 16, Phoebe is held out as a, as a noteworthy servant of the church. She's held out with high commendation. Yodia and Syntyche in Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3, are described as Paul's fellow workers and commended for what they had done. So women held valuable positions of service in the kingdom of God then as they do now. I mean, I think all of us could cite instances 
of women that we think stand out uh, as excellent servants in the kingdom, doing amazing, noteworthy work, uh, and that and and that the kingdom of God today depends on them fulfilling the work that they do. Absolutely, absolutely. And we think about the the worthy woman in Proverbs thirty one. Uh, the honor that comes from assuming that role and 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 uh, fulfilling that role, uh, and and the wonderful blessing that she can be to her family, not only her family, her family, and also society by assuming the roles that God has has assigned. Yeah. yeah. Real quickly, then let's go. We got a last question. We got just a few minutes to address it. If women are limited in their role relative to men, how do you explain then that there were prophetesses? In the New Testament church. Mm-hmm. Now, a prophet was an inspired teacher. In mm-hmm. other words, to a prophet, God revealed things. And then the prophet spoke those revealed things to the people. Well, there were women who were prophetesses in the New Testament. It was actually promised in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. He's quoting from the prophet Joel. He says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So Joel in the old the prophet Joel in the Old Testament had said, Your daughters will prophesy. Peter quoted that on the day of Pentecost, and we know in fact that they did um uh, look in Acts twenty one in Acts twenty one verse nine. Uh, verse 8, Acts 21, verse 8, the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. The same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So there's, not, not, it, it was predicted it would be so. There's one example we know of where, in fact, it was so that women prophesied. So, First Corinthians eleven four and five talks about women prophesying as well. Yeah, uh, Kyle, I mean uh, Kent referenced that. He says there were prophecies in the first century. He referenced Acts twenty one. You did in Acts First uh, Corinthians eleven four and five. Okay, now does that mean that they were stepping outside of the limitations that we've just been describing about women teaching over men? No, there's not anything in any of those references that indicates that they were teaching. Over men when they prophesied. We don't know what settings in which they prophesied. It's not specified to us. There's no indication that they prophesied in the presence of men or that they were ever over men or exercised authority or teaching rank over men. That would be a leap that you cannot sustain from the information provided. First Corinthians 11 talks about how they would do that in such a way to not overstep that bound and to maintain that relationship. Uh, so, um, there are certainly prophecies mentioned, but they were to prophesy within the confines of their role as, yeah. as women. Okay. All right. Uh, and then we go back to the Old Testament to grab another objection. What about Deborah in the Old Testament? She was one of the judges of Israel, unique among all those listed as judges over Israel. She was a woman who was judge over Israel uh, in Judges chapter 4. And we begin reading about Deborah, and she was a judge over Israel. Uh, I think that's probably a tougher, I mean, in all honesty, I think that's a tougher, more challenging thing to explain. 
But I think what you can say about it is um, she didn't she didn't rule over the people as some of the other judges did. They people came to her for judgment as a prophetess. And unlike the other judges, Deborah did not lead the armies of Israel when they went to battle against their enemies. Uh, Barak, uh, a man, took on that assignment. She she was inspired by God as a prophetess, and she had divine insights that people came to her and to ask about. And so in that sense, she judged Israel. But she didn't judge Israel in the same fashion as other judges did, and she certainly didn't lead men for instance, in the matter in the matter of going to battle, uh, Barak did that. So it's a I, I would say it's a tougher explanation, uh, and, and maybe our explanation is not completely satisfactory to everyone. It's it's a unique case. Uh, I I would have to say because we don't have all the information that we it would be it would be a careless thing to imagine that somehow she represents an exception that therefore allows for women to do other things today. Kent said in both these cases, Deborah and prophetesses in the first century New Testament church fulfilled their roles not as an exception to the restraints that God has placed upon women, but rather in following these restraints in obedience to divine revelation. So yeah. he agrees that they would, have, they would have done it within those, uh, within those parameters. Uh, and, and again, I don't think we have the full picture there on the case of Deborah. But there's, but since she's held out as as a an example, a noteworthy person, you'd have to believe that she would have honored the limitations that God placed on women in every age. So I I don't think you yeah, I I think you'd be arguing from what's not stated to try to make more of that uh, example. All right, Timothy in the chat room poses an interesting question: Can a husband demand or expect respect? And can a woman demand or expect love? Well, I think you can expect it because it's God's plan. And if people are doing what God tells them to do, I think women should have an expectation that their husbands would love them. I think men should have an expectation that their wives will uh, submit to them because it's God's plan. Now, does it always happen? Absolutely not, because people don't do what God says to do in lots of instances. Our lives are better when we do what God says, when we fulfill the roles that God has given us, when we're obedient to his instructions, we're better off for doing that. But that doesn't mean that men are always men or women are always wise enough to follow that plan. All right. Uh, a very important discussion. Good discussion tonight. Thanks for the comments in the chat room. Um, and, you know, I think we need to finish where we started in reiterating that men and women are of equal value to God. One's not more important than the other, but God has given us very specific roles that he expects us to fulfill in our family and in society, and uh, that we need to be diligent in complying with his instructions. I think you're right. Kyle, final thought from you tonight. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the burden here is on well, men to be worthy of, to be a leader and to be a spiritual leader, that their husband, that their wives would be willing and lovingly submit. I think... Uh, much of the degradation of the world around us is because men have failed in that role sometimes. So if we just be leaders, be loving, and our wives will lovingly submit, I think we'll see a change around us and our change in our own homes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 certainly so. Uh, and it's very important. Yeah. Uh, okay.
I think that's good. I think I agree with you, Kyle. Kyle, thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for listening on the other end of the line tonight. Let's give a Uh-oh. heads up, Jacob. Uh-oh. A week from tonight is Thanksgiving tonight. For years, we've tried to go ahead and have a virtual Bible study on Thanksgiving night. Thanksgiving's obviously always on Thursday, and it hits on a, a virtual Bible study night. But the last two or three years, we've decided to sort of uh, take a break on that on that day because most people are busy with other activities that are are also worthy uh, on that day, being with family and so forth. And so, again, this year, we'll take a break on Thanksgiving Day. We'll be back, Lord willing, two weeks from tonight. All right, two weeks from tonight. Uh, yeah, enjoy the holiday, and uh, we will uh, miss Thursday night being with you, but we look forward to it uh, two weeks from tonight. In the chat room, a couple, few more comments. Lou in Minnesota, appreciate your comment, Kyle. Timothy says he'd like to hear more on this topic. Well, Timothy, here's how you hear more on the topic. Send us some ideas of some things you'd like discussed. Uh, via email. That goes for all our listeners. If there's more questions or more angles to this or aspects to it that you'd like to have discussed, we'd love to we'd love to have another discussion. So send us an yeah, email. Yeah, if you've got some other things that you'd like to hear covered along the lines of men and women's roles. Uh, I've got one question already in the stack of stuff, and we can take more. All right, so maybe Timothy will add to that and other listeners as well. And then Dwight says, thanks for the good topic of study tonight. I thank God for my wife. She makes me a better man. Well, I think go. that's that's God's plan is that we would complement each other, that we would be helpmates to each other, uh, to uh, help each other uh, be better. Exactly right. And uh, if we'll follow the rule, the roles that He's given us. Okay. Uh, thanks again, and uh, thank you for being here. Uh, we hope you'll make plans to be back here this time in two weeks for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We'll, we encourage you in the meantime to study God's Word, live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.